I think before we begin, we just want to welcome all our guests and friends that are visiting us today. Why don't we welcome them, TJ? Amen. Amen. Pastor sends his love and greetings. Um, and today he's actually preaching at PAP Church in the Philippines. And uh, without sharing too much spoilers, you know, yesterday they had an ex-open house, you know, with a huge bunch of uh, leaders and pastors and ministers. And he was texting us, you know, that it was a huge success. You know, I think God is doing something not just in our midst, but all over the world. Amen. And and I just love what we've we experienced today. I, I don't know about you, but as I was worshipping at the front just now, I can't help but the presence of God is just so strong in this place. And the glory of the Lord is here. And to see what God is doing here in our midst and what He's doing around the world is what the Bible says about how that the knowledge of God, that the glory of God will fill the earth just like how the seas would cover the earth, likewise His glory, you know. And so I'm very excited for what God is doing. Amen. And before we begin, I'd like us to, to pray for Pastor and Sister Hoya as they are ministering at this very moment. And also, um, tomorrow he'll be meeting another group of, uh, another church, I think about uh, quite a number of them doing real colours and also being able to share about our discipleship system. So church, for a moment, why don't we lift our pastors in prayer and just ask the Lord to, to continue to use them. Father, Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, as we are gathered here, God, in one mind and one accord, God. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for what you are doing, God, in our midst, God. Father, I thank you for what you are doing, God, even, Lord, in the Philippines, God, through Pastor and Sister Hoya. Lord, I ask, God, Jesus, right now, I pray that you would Use Him, God. Continue to use Him during this trip, God, as your vessel, God. As your mouthpiece, God, for what you're wanting to do, God, in the Philippines, God. I pray that, Lord, that you will minister to them, God. That you will encourage the church, God. Lord, that you will continue, God, to, to encourage them to keep doing the mission, God. To keep, Lord, the focus, oh God, upon your kingdom, oh God. Upon what you're doing, God, in this end time, God. And Father, I ask that you'll watch over Him. I pray that even tomorrow's session, God, as they are doing real colours. Lord, I pray, let that be a time of ministry. Let that be a time of, of fellowship. Let that be a time of healing, God. Let that be a time, Lord, where the body, God, will be able, God, to, to synergize, God, to be able to be in unity, God, for your kingdom, for the gospel, God. Continue to watch over their travels and, Lord, watch over their families, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, as we were worshipping today, I cannot help myself, you know. Um, but this word came to my mind and um, today's message is we are going to carry on the series about worship. Okay, I, I know we had like uh, many breaks in between, you know. Uh, but I, I still feel that God, there's some flow with all the messages we have been hearing for the past four weeks. You know, and I think Pastor started us off on this theme of worship talking about the wonders of worship, talking about the power of worship. He talked about how worship is the gateway of His glory. And like what we experience here this morning, I think it's just a glimpse of that glory. You know, uh, I love what Brother Bong shared because, you know, I know we've been announcing about DCD for the past many, many weeks. 
you know, and we're going to be opening registration real soon, sometime next month. And of course, we've got to get ourselves ready, you've got to start booking your leave, start, you know, some, those who need to save, time to save up. But at the same time, it's also a preparation of our hearts. Because as I was worshipping just now, I'm just, just so immersed by the presence of God, you know, it just reminded me, oh, this a bit taste of what DCD is like. But at the same time, I don't want to wait until from now until December. It's quite long. Uh. Still got about five to six months. And I don't want to wait until then to start feeling the presence of God or the glory of God. But like what he said, you know, and even what Pastor is talking recently, he said that somehow the glory is returning back. And we are feeling that, you know, in our worship. You know, and, and this didn't come free of charge. It didn't come cheap because somebody consecrated for us to experience it today. You know, didn't the worship team do such a fantastic job today? Amen. You know, see, worship is not, it's more than just the songs that we sing, but the heart that is put into it, the effort, the, the hour, you don't know the amount of hours it takes for them to sound this good. And that is their worship to God. See, worship doesn't just begin at 10 a.m. It started during the week already. You know, and even all the different ministries that are involved here, whether it's the sound team, the, the, the kids team, the ambassadors, everything that they do is to usher in the presence of God. It's to prepare everyone seated here that you are able to experience the glory of God in this place. And so all of that is an act of worship. You waking up this morning, setting that early alarm than usual, making your way down to this place is an act of worship to God. And when we talk about worship, you know, uh, sorry, back to what I was saying, the word that came to my mind is this thing called obsession. You know, and I cannot, and once again, back to my son, Micah, he is obsessed with one thing. He's obsessed with construction vehicles. He's obsessed with excavators. He can even tell you all the different kind of construction vehicle. He will point to me that day, Papa, look, crane, crane, crane. Excavator on the road, he will spot it, even without us noticing it. And so nowadays, whenever I sit the bus, I start to notice that, wow, actually Singapore got a lot of excavators and diggers and cranes that is all around us. And he brought it to my attention because he was obsessed with excavators. He would have a t-shirt. We buy him t-shirt, got excavator. We buy uh, Peter bought him a bottle bottle, got excavator. He listened to music also, got the excavator song. Everything also, whatever we can find of excavator, we will get it for him because he's obsessed with it. And, I, that, and that kind of triggered my memory. I don't know for those who may be a bit more... Uh, Longer in, in the Lord, many, I think in the 90s, maybe. How many of you know this singer called Stephen Curtis Chapman? Yeah, yeah oldies are okay. So the younger ones, maybe to you, is like, huh, who is that? He's an old man, older man already. But there was this one song that he wrote that was really beautiful. And the title of that song is called Magnificent Obsession. And I'm, I'm not going to sing it because I don't remember. But I'm going to read a, a, a paragraph from that. And I, and I think that will set us up for what we're going to be. The Lord wants to talk to us about today. In one of the verses, it says, This is everything I want. 
This is everything I need. I want this to be my one consuming passion. Everything my heart desires. Lord, I want it all to be for you, Jesus. Be my magnificent obsession. And if you can join me for one more time this morning as we pray. Let that be our prayer today. That we can say that, Lord, be my magnificent obsession today. That just like my son, that I'll be obsessed with God. I think there was a point in my life I was obsessed with him. But I think as we grow more, you know, affluent, we get more, earn more money and get more talented, suddenly we don't really need him that much. But I feel that God wants us to return to that heart of worship to be obsessed with Him, that everything we do, everything we watch, everything we wear, everything we say, everything we do, everything we sing about, is all about Him. So for one more moment, church, why don't we lift up our hands and our hearts, let our hearts be open. Father, Lord, I pray today, God, that as we open up our ears and our hearts, God, and our spirits to what You are wanting to say to us today, God, Lord, Lord, we firstly thank you for your presence that is here, God. We thank you for your glory, God, that fills this place, God. And Father, I pray today, God, that Lord, once again, God, that you will be the one thing that my heart is consumed with, God. That you will be the one thing that my heart will be passionate over, God. That Lord Jesus, God, that you will be my magnificent obsession, God. Arakaya, in all that I do, God, in all that I say, God, in all of my being, God. Lord, it will be a reflection of who you are, God. So, Lord, that you, that the world may know you, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In God's, all of God's people say, Amen. 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 And so when we talk about worship, okay, I know Brother Blow, he mentioned this in his message about how that worship is about worth. What is God worth to you? And, and, and that is, is, is so simple, but yet it's so true. You know, many times when we want to buy something in the store, you know, we ask ourselves, hey, is it worth it or not for me to buy it? Is it worth it for me to buy it? And those, uh, maybe those younger people you watch on YouTube, there's this series, the food one, what's that? Worth it. Is it called worth it? Yeah, worth it, right? Whether uh, $5,000, uh, maybe let's say what? Fried rice is better than a $5 fried rice. And then they compare, they taste it, and they say, is it worth it? And at the end of the day, our worship is also answer that question. Is it worth it? Is God worth our worship today? And my answer to you is yes, He is. But the question is, how much value do we put on it? Is our worship like just a $5 fried rice? Or is it a $5,000 one? Of course, at the end of the day, it's not just about the numerical value. <clears throat> but I start off with us today with this. Worship is simply about value. The simple definition I can give is this. Worship is our response to what we value most. Because when something to you is worth it, you will gladly throw your money at it. Whether it's on sale or not. It doesn't matter, you know, recently in our uh, parents' group chat, someone was asking, hey, have you used this, uh, this uh, automated dryer system called what, Steigen? Uh? You know, you can press the button, and then you've got the inbuilt heater. 
<coughs> and they were asking, hey, anyone use it? You recommend it? Without a doubt, everyone started to chime in and say, yes, you should get it. You know, and I told them, I was saying that one of the best buys in my home is that Steigen system. Okay, whether on sale or not, I throw my money at it. Why? Because it's worth it. Worth every penny. Okay, I place a lot of value on it. And that is what worship is. It's simply your response to what you value the most. It is about it is, a, it is what we are all about on any day. Whether you like it or not, whether you are in church, whether you are outside makan in the hawker centre, you are constantly worshipping something. Okay? All the time. Why? Because we were created as worshippers. You see, that thing that we worship, it might be a relationship, it might be a dream, it might be friends, it might be status, it might be stuff. It might be a name. It might be some kind of pleasure. Whatever name you put on it, this thing or person is what you've concluded in your heart is worth most to you. Whether you are a believer here today or not, you are worshipping something. And whatever is worth most to you is what you worship. Worship tells us what we value the most. As a result, Worship determines our actions and becomes the driving force for everything we do. Worship is more than just an action. It is our motivation. So then the question is very simple. How do you know where and what you worship? Very easy. You simply follow, you know, in... in, in, in I can't remember who was talking about... Um, when someone wants to find out if a company is corrupted, they will say, just follow the money. You'll find out who get it, who pocket it. And the same thing, you want to know where, what you value the most? Just follow the trail of your time, the trail of your affection, your energy, your money, your loyalty. You follow that trail, you can find where it ends up. And that is what you value the most. And that is what you worship. See, when you value God above all, you will live a life that is holy. See, holiness was never meant to be a bunch of to-dos, like, oh, I should do this, I cannot do this, I need to look like that, I need to wear this, I cannot drink this, I must eat this, I must come here, I must do that, I cannot do this. No, then it becomes very rigid. You, you end up feeling oh, so hard. One, uh. Worship was never meant to be hard and suffocating. If it was hard, you think our kids in kids' camp can worship God? No. Kids were designed, we were all created to worship. And when we went to kids' camp and they started to sing, oh, it's so beautiful, eh? it's so pure, the, word, the presence of God just come like that so quickly. Why? Because to them, that was all their value was on, was on God. They were excited for camp. Why? Because, yes, they will have fun, but above all things, they were there to meet their God. And so when you value God above it all, holiness becomes a response. A life of holiness then becomes a response as your act of worship to Him. Then you will suddenly live a life that you will avoid sin. See, when you value someone, you value their input. You value what they think, you value what they like. For example, I, I'm... Where's my wife? Okay. I value her input a lot. 
from the things that I wear, the things that I buy, the things that I eat, um, the things that I do, I ask her, hey, how nice or not? How you think I should get it or not? I keep asking her, and sometimes she's like, just decide lah. I say, no, 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 it's not just the point about buying this. I want you to be involved in this decision. I need to know, do you like it? And she'll say, yes, I think this is nice. Then I say, okay, settled, I will get it. Why? Because I value her. And it's as simple as that. When we value God, that's where our worship lies. And we'll begin to ask God, hey God, what do you think ah? about this decision I'm making? What do you think about this uh, life choice that I'm about to embark on? What do you think about this job that I'm taking? What do you think about the way I'm raising my kid? What do you think about uh, the thing I'm wearing? All these things will filter down to end of the day what? Who do you value? Who do I value? And if God say, wah, wah, suka, settle. I will do it. I will throw my money at it. See, in the end, our worship is more about what we do than what we say. Worship is the activity of the human soul. It's what our souls were created to do. Our soul is not just this vacuum. Uh, I love what the song that was sung, that we don't want this space to be empty space, right? I think similarly, our soul is not just to be an empty space inside us. It was created for God. It was created for worship. Worship is not just a thing we do on Sunday. I mean, for those who are new to us here today, I know when you see us worship, we're like, whoa, this is so different. But see, worship is more than just the singing. It's more than us dancing. It's an all-the-time thing. Worship happens everywhere, all day long, continually. We are, can make decisions based on what we value most. Everyone in the world is worshipping. When you look around, recently I also see a lot on Instagram, everyone been reposting this thing about Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> world tour, wow, the one year come out the calendar, wow, everybody's so excited. It's like, wow. And everyone's like ready, say, oh, I hope I can get the tickets. I hope, you know, I'll be able to click through the website and book it. You know, I was, and there's another uh, meme that show, you know, what they want to use to pay. You know, there's visa, then got another person, the option is their kidney. They will sell their kidney just to be at a Taylor Swift concert. Crazy, right? I mean, but they are worshippers, worshippers of Taylor Swift. Because they value. They value her. And that is to show us that what we were all pre-wired for worship. And, and why are we talking about all this so much? I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't go there. But if God tells you you shouldn't, then you shouldn't, lah, Okay. But at the end of the day, why is this thing so important about what you value, about why your worship matters? Okay, we're going to talk about three reasons why your worship matters. If you think that it doesn't do a thing, you are wrong. It matters. It does something. Number one, worship should matter to you because you are and you will always be a worshipper. Even when you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to turn my back on God. I'm going to walk out on Him. I don't believe in all this Christianity stuff. Sure, you may quit on him, but you will never stop being a worshipper. Because it's, you, it's, it's just by default what you and I were created for. You cannot help it, one. You cannot stop it. You can't live without it. I realize whenever I move, I'm someone that, you know, when I have a lot of hobbies, my wife is very scared whenever I have hobbies. 
because my hobbies tend to be expensive. So when I'm done with one hobby, I will move on to the next one. She's like, oh, sell, 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 sell. He's going to spend a lot of money. Okay? So I, I know what worship is. Okay? I know what obsession is. Okay, I can go from one thing to the other. I cannot help it. It's just the way I am. Likewise for all of us here. We cannot, we can't help it but worship something. You, you can choose, but you can choose where you want to invest it. You can choose where you want to direct your worship to. You can choose to make your worship count for today and for eternity. That's why it matters. See, we were created to worship. Um, I, I, I can't, maybe it was Brother Blow that mentioned this or someone that shared about this before that, you know, in this life we have many roles, we have many titles, we may be a dad, we may be a son, we may be a, a worker, we may be a, you know, whatever title you may hold. But at the end of the day, when we go up to see Jesus, we don't have all those titles already. We are a worshipper. Okay, and that's why it matters. See, that's why I have got to keep making sure that what matters most, matters most to me. See, God's value will never change. But the problem usually lies when, in my eyes, His value changes. If only we could all comprehend that we are precious to Him. That in all of us, okay, in all of our beings, okay, I want you to, to pat yourself on your, your heart. In all of us, your heart, we have a heart. And do you know what our heart and our souls are? It is a mirror. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Daryl and Carissa, for lending me this. I was trying to find a mirror. Then when he sent me that, he got a hardship mirror. I thought, wow, steady. This is, this is perfect. <laughs> See, we all house souls that are like mirrors, hearts that are like mirrors. For what purpose? We are designed to reflect His glory. Wherever we are, we are reflecting His glory. But if all I see is myself every day, you know, some of us like, I may, right? Wow, every time, any mirror you walk past, you like that. You know, you can sell sometimes, not even mirror, but reflective, you look already. Wow. And if all we value is how we look, and that's all we, you know, very vain, uh, Okay, we have all been through at that at some point in our lives. What do we all see? We just see ourselves. You reflect yourself. Or maybe you maybe say that, wow, I'm very obsessed with, with Kieran. <laughs> so I point my heart at him. Who do I see? It's him only. I reflect him to the people around me. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it reads this, As in water, face reflects face. And another version says, a mirror, In a mirror, a face reflects face. It goes on to say, So the heart of man reflects the man. So our hearts are designed like reflectors, like mirrors. And so you and I, we exist for one purpose. Your life was designed to be a mirror that reflects all the best things about God to the world around Him. 
it is of the utmost importance that you and I find an object worthy of our affection. It is essential that you find a God worth of your life's devotion. If worship is about worth, you have to ask yourself, is the God you're worshipping really worth your whole life? We only have one life to live and we have only one life of worship. Thank you, Sister G, for, you know, uh, what you shared, you know, at your mom's wake. It was beautiful because you reminded me what a life of worship was. And this past week, we celebrated and honoured the life of Grandma Tan, and her life was a life of worship. Whatever she did, she did it unto the glory of God. And for us today, don't let our lives be wasted. Don't waste your worship on stuff that don't really matter. Don't waste your worship on little gods or little idols that really amount to nothing. On gods that can't even save you, they can't even heal you. They can't even provide you a parking lot in the car park if you ask for it. So at the end of the day, we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our worship. We have to carefully evaluate all the potential takers that will try to take away your worship. The second reason why worship matters is because every day there is a battle for your worship. I know we learn in, 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 in some Next Step classes about spiritual warfare. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and all these things. There is a war. Why is there a war? Because they are all trying to rob away your worship. See, the things we champion, the things that we value, the values that we serve are not choices made in a vacuum. They're not choices we just made, oh, okay, Lord, I just do it, Lord. There is a war waging for our worship and it has been that way since the beginning of time, even before time even began to exist. See, you probably know in, in your Bible classes that before Lucifer became Satan, he was you know, a chief angel. He was an angel worship, uh, sorry, in charge of worship. He was the chief musician, he was the music director, whatever you want to call it. That was his role in heaven. In fact, it was interesting that the Bible described him to be full of gemstones and shiny ones, perhaps to reflect the glory of God, just like we are. Our hearts are like mirrors. Okay? But because of pride, because he refused to worship God, because he wanted to be like God, doing things his own way, he decided, you know what? I'm going to stop reflecting God for a moment and just let me for a moment see how beautiful I look. And what happened? Instantly, he was cast out of heaven. His angels all cast out of heaven. And guess what? We took his place. We took the job that he couldn't do. So now, as the church, we are called to be worshippers. We are called to be uh, vessels of worship. And that's why Satan cannot stand it when you worship him. Do you know that when you woke up today, when you came down here, when you started clapping your hands, when you started lifting your voices, when you started worshipping God, whether it's through your outward actions or it's through your heart of worship, Satan hates it. Because we are just telling him, look, you are so useless and <laughs> good for nothing that, that even a child can worship better than you do. 
And Satan hates it. And he wants to do whatever it takes to stop us from worshipping God. He wants to cause us to turn our worship away from God, whether it be through temptation, whether it's through deception, whether it's through falsehood and lies, he will tell you whatever it is to rob you away. That's why he told Eve, he deceived Eve. He said, are you sure God tell you this or not? He started to place doubts in our heads. Why? Whatever he can do to make you turn your affection away from God, that's what he wants to do. See, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. Because the one thing that God desires the most from you and I, that no other person on earth can ever give Him, is your affection. Because your affection is limited edition. Nobody else can replicate it. Every one of you, your affection, Ethan, your affection to God, I cannot, I cannot replicate it and give it to God. You know, those who have, you know, into limited edition watches or stuff, they always have a number, right? One out of 25 or like one out of 10. For your affection, it's just one out of one. When God made you, that's all. And so don't waste that on someone else or something else that isn't worth it. Set your affections on Him because no one else can give God the unique affection that only you and He can share. And so your worship matters so much to God. And if it didn't matter, Satan wouldn't care about trying to steal it from God or from you. And then how do we then, if, we, if there is a war for our worship, there is a war for our affection, what then do we do? I read this quote uh, somewhere recently, and the author wrote this, and it was like, wow, really good. He says this, our attention aims our affection. Whatever you give your attention to is how you will aim your affection. If we give our attention to, for example, Taylor Swift, and we just focus, all I want to do is get that ticket to that concert. I will, I will do everything it takes you know, I will go through the right means or the wrong means to get that ticket. So our attention is all consumed about that. And that's where our affection lies. If my attention is all focused on what? What am I going to eat later after the service? How long is Brother Charles going to preach today? Is he going to preach for two hours? How long is he going to take? What am I going to eat? What are we going to eat later? If our attention is based on that, I'm sorry to say your affection lies not here, but upon what you're going to eat later. So we have to guard our attention. See, we're all living in a digital age. And I tell you, the amount of distractions we are fighting with today is, is never been faced before. Now, even as I'm standing here, I can be distracted by the notification on my phone. As you are sitting there listening, you also can be distracted. Ding, ding, all the notifications come up. We are constantly distracted because the devil is out there to do whatever he can to take away your attention. Because when he has your attention, eventually your heart will follow. Your affection will follow. And the third reason why worship should really matter to you 
is this, that whatever you worship, you become. You can worship whatever you want, anything, but there will always be a twist, a last twist at the end of the story, is that whatever you worship, whatever you become obsessed with, whatever you give all of your being to, you will imitate. And whatever you imitate, you will become. In other words, whatever you value most will ultimately determine who you are. If you worship money, you will become greedy at the core of your heart. If you worship some sinful habit, that same sin will grip your soul and poison your character to death. If you worship stuff, your life will become material, void of any eternal significance. If you give all of your praise to the God of you, and just all you care about is how you look, you will become deluded with self, a disappointing little God to both you and those who trust in you. In the book of Psalms, chapter 115, verse 4 to 8, it reads, But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. That's what man-made gods are. And in verse 8, it says, those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. See, your worship matters to God because what you worship will ultimately become who you are. But if you and I will worship God, if you and I will turn our affections toward Him, and experience His glory, just like what we felt today, just for that moment in worship, He will change you. He will change you. See, change doesn't happen by, you know, changing our behaviours. Because that won't last forever. But when you come in the glory of God, when you come into contact with His glory, you will be changed forever. But sometimes the thing is the glory we experienced was like 10 years ago. But we need that glory again today. We need to live a life of worship again every day. Why? Because that is the only way we can become like Him. See, just like Moses when he went up to the mountain you know, and, and the glory of God was revealed to him, it was so bright until his whole face was so shining that when he came down the mountain, he had to wear a veil. See, that's what happens when you come into the glory of God. And that's why the, Brother Bong encouraged us to be consecrated. Why? It's not just to make ourselves feel good that I fasted today or I prayed today. It's so that we can see His glory. So that we can be changed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, So all of us who have and have, have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. 
You see, the more we reflect Him, the more we aim our affection, our hearts at God, eventually what will happen? Everyone around us will see His glory. That when people see me, no longer they see Charles. No longer they see this human, but they begin to see God. And that's what worship is. That's what worship does. That's why it matters. Because when you become more like Him, that is the only way. Could it be that your loved ones will ever know God? Could it be that that is the only way that the world will know Jesus? Is that you reflect Him. And it's not just by a bunch of do's and don'ts, you know, learning about how to most effective. I mean, those are great. Whatever we learn, you know, in class, becoming fishers of men, those are great, important skills that we learn. We learn important principles about how to share a testimony, how to plan a Matthew party. But if we are just going there as vessels that do not reflect him, then what does that make any difference to any party out there in the world? But imagine everybody that comes into that gathering becomes reflectors of his glory. Imagine what happens when somebody walks in and says, Whoa, what is this place? Ah? How come it feels so different? How come these people are so different? They are not just nice, but there's something different about them. Why? Because we can become his reflectors. We become his representation. When we come into the glory of God, his glory will change us. And that is why your worship matters. So, simply put, we become what we worship. And if you don't like who you are becoming, take a quick inventory today of the things on the throne of your heart. Ask yourself the question, who am I reflecting today? If you want to become more and more like Jesus, keep your worship focusedly squared on Him. Amen. And so that's why your worship matters. And so then what kind of worship then does the Lord like? We know that, okay, we got to worship. We've been hearing three weeks of worship. Okay, I, I know I got to worship. I come to Sunday auto, autopilot on worship. But what kind of worship does God seek? Because if the world knows how to worship, is that the kind of worship that he's looking for? Even in scripture, when we look at the story of Cain and Abel, we see two different kinds of worship. Those in UTB, lesson three, right? Lesson three. Okay, that there's a man-made worship and there's a God-directed worship. And what we want to give to him today is a God-directed worship. Because we know the story. Cain brought an offering and God didn't accept it. Whereas for Abel, God accepted and Cain was upset. Wow, how come I do all these things for you? I bring an offering to you and you do not accept it. And then he got bitter and then he killed his brother. See, something, you know, your, your worship matters because it will ultimately affect you as an individual. I want my worship to be like Abel, that God accepted. And so we read in the book of John, verse 4, chapter 23 to 24, very familiar verse of scripture. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. 
See, this was the account of where a woman, a Sumerian woman was at the well and Jesus was asking her for a cup of water. And then their conversation went on and then she found that, oh, this guy is a prophet. Because Jesus asked, hey, uh, where's your husband? And she told him, I got no husband. And Jesus said, you are right because you already have five and the man you are lived with is not even your husband. So at least there was some truth to what she's saying. And then she started, oh, okay, this guy is a prophet. Let me ask him a question. I don't know whether it was genuine or whether she wanted to try to be funny and ask Jesus a trick question. So he asked, you know, the Sumerians believe that we worship on this mountain, uh, Jerusalem. But the Jews say that they worship God in Jerusalem. So where do we worship? And Jesus replied her and said, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He was saying that true worship was no longer geographically limited to Samaria or Jerusalem. Likewise, our worship is not just limited to City Square, GV Hall too. If it is, it's very sad. But it's not. Then Jesus went on to say in verse 22, you Sumerians know very little about the one you worship. Because the Sumerians, they, you know, they, they, they have many cultures mixed into their, into their day-to-day life that they worship multiple gods. They also worship Jehovah God. Until a point, they also confuse what they worship. A bit like us today. We worship so many things in our lives. Sometimes material things. And we forget the God we are worshipping. And then Jesus said this to her, that what is the Father seeking? Worshippers that will worship in spirit and truth. And why was this so important? Because this was beautiful. When you begin to look at it further, here Jesus was making an invitation to everyone that worship was no longer reserved for the Jews but worship is now made available for you and I. Then when we begin to worship Him today, wherever you are, is not bound to a physical location. When Jesus mentioned about in spirit, He talks about that it's not just about on a Sunday, it's not about being at church, it's everywhere and every time. When worship is to be in spirit, it's not bound to even our physical being. It's more than just, I clap hand, considered worship. But every aspect of our being is where worship can flow out of. Our entire being, our words, our actions, our choices, our motivations, our thoughts are all avenues where worship can come out of. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 to 35, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. At the end of the day, our worship will still stem from our heart. And true worship that the Father is seeking is a whole life response to God's greatness and glory. Worship is a response. A response that involves our mind, our soul, our heart of passion, that involves our strength our entire being can be an instrument of worship. 
See, no longer was worship confined to the temple built in Jerusalem. But Jesus, and or in fact, Scripture talks about how that we have become temples of the Holy Spirit. That when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you become that temple. That wherever you go, that's where worship can take place. Worship is also grounded in truth. True worship is grounded in truth. Truth in what? In truth in who we are worshipping. When Jesus finally revealed himself to the Samarian woman, she finally knew who she needed to worship. Suddenly she knew, wow, all these other gods that I have in my life, they are not worth my worship. See, when we ground our worship in truth, in who God is, then you start to look around your life and say, wow, this one, uh, this, this, this relationship is not worth my worship. Let me not make it my God. Uh, this other idol, uh, this other obsession with excavators, it's not worth my worship. Let me push it aside. And I can finally know the one true God that I need to worship is grounded in truth. It's also grounded in the truth of who you are. Brother Sam mentioned it last week. In one of the ways in, in being fathered by God is in when you begin to be real. And being real is likened unto coming to God in just the truth of who you are. When the woman came to Jesus, she didn't try to hide. Oh, my husband is this guy. She just told him, I don't have any husband. She came to him in truth. True worship is grounded in truth, not in deception. Meaning when you come to worship God, whether it's here, whether you're at home, whether in the toilet, whether you're at the coffee shop, whether you're in school, whether you're in front of your computer where nobody is looking, that is an opportunity for you to worship. And at that moment, you get to decide, am I going to put on a facade or not? Because I can worship God one way at home, and then when I come to church, I put on another mask and say, oh, then I worship, oh, I clap hand, dance. Then people say, wow, Charles, wow, he is a worshipper. But then they don't know at home all the sins I'm doing. That's not what true worship is. Eh? That's not what true worshippers is. True worshippers is when we are reflection, wherever we go in our homes, and even when we are together as a body of Christ. It's grounded in the truth of who we are. And of course, it is grounded in His Word. I recently was watching a video on YouTube. It was really interesting. It was talking about, it was about this uh, autistic boy. I don't know if you watched it. And the guy was sharing about how this autistic boy, he could not know how to speak. Okay, usually, uh, kids, toddlers at three, they will be able to converse in some form or fashion, but because of his uh, learning disability, he couldn't learn to speak. He didn't know how to until he was at the age of 10 years old. He finally learned how to speak. It was very interesting because he shared about how this boy learned to speak. You know how he did it? He would memorize songs. He would memorize songs from the Beatles. He would memorize songs from John Mayer, whatever band you have it. He memorized the songs of the lyrics of the, the artists that he loved, the artists that he valued. And that's where he learned to talk. And eventually where he learned to sing. When I watched it, I was like, wow, this is so interesting. Eh? How this, this boy actually kind of like pick up this skill of talking and, and all that. And then he made me realize that, hey, do you know that? That's what we can do also. And when we are born again, right? 
and we are called to be worshippers, called to be true worshippers, that we also can learn how in His Word. I'm thinking, wow, if this boy can go and memorize all the Beatles songs, why can't I go spend some time in His Word and memorize the songs that are from the Word of God? Songs that, that honour God and that will become my language of worship. That can become my language of praise to Him. And so, once again, worship has to be grounded in truth. You see, why truth is so important is because when we come before God, we can come before Him in our good times and even in our darkest moments. We come to Him in our victories, in our success. Well, worship God is easy. But sometimes it's hard when we're going through sickness when we're going through suffering, when we're going through loss, when we're going through failures, when we're going through shame, we find it hard to worship God. But God is not telling you to brush that aside. He's telling you to come just as you are and worship Him. Because there are times when you may not have any victories. There are times you may not have any testimonies to shout about. And it's in those moments where you begin to turn to the truth of the Word of God, the truth of who God is. Because True worship is simply catching a glimpse of God's greatness, of His majesty, of His glory, that we can stop looking at our problems, stop reflecting on yourself so much and you get so depressed and we start to turn our hearts to Him and we say, God, just give me a glimpse of Your glory. Just give me a glimpse of Your grace. Give me a glimpse of Your mercy. And when we begin to have the truth of who God is reflect upon us, then we can begin to lift up our worship. And as we begin to worship, you realise, hey, the presence of God is here. We worship in the truth of who God is. See, worship is our response to God. In other words, we don't initiate worship. God does. What do I mean by this? See, when God reveals Himself to us, we respond in worship. Whatever we experienced just now during worship was what? God revealed His glory. He revealed, nah, I let you feel my presence. Oh, we felt it. Then we respond in worship. See, when God discloses Himself to us, when He disclosed Himself to Abraham, look, the ram caught in the tickets. He said, Jehovah Jireh. He began to lift up His worship. See, when God reveals Himself to you, your automatic response will be worship when He unveils who He is to you, when He begins to reveal what He did for you, you will begin to respond in worship. See, when God came through for my family, and I shared about it last week, about how God healed my dad, it was really a miracle. Okay, I'm going to share it again because I think it's never too much to give God glory. It was really a miracle because um, my dad would usually go for regular checkups for his liver. In fact, he, he didn't have liver cancer to begin with, but he had fatty liver. So he would go for regular checkups. And it was only this year when he went for a checkup where the scan picked up something odd. And then the doctors did further checks, and that's where they found the cancer. And the doctors went in, they decided, okay, we're going to remove keyhole surgery and remove that cancer. And when they got it out, it's doctor. When I, I still remember when I went to the doctor's office, uh, Sister Sula knows that surgeon, Dr. Chung, very nice guy. I said, doctor, tell me, how is it? He said, very good. 
oh, it's good. We took out everything. That it was stage one. And that the beautiful part is he, my dad doesn't need to go for any further treatment, no more chemo whatsoever. So he revealed to us that, hey, I can deliver you through this. It sounded so fast, like this episode went in over so fast. But yet, I mean, when I think about it, it's like, wow, God, you really, you really got my back. And then I can respond in worship. Another instance, you know, I know for some of my brothers and sisters here, those married or getting married want to look for a house. They share their struggles of getting a home. And I feel for them. And I recount my instance, you know, we've been sharing, uh, I think yesterday we shared with someone about our testimony. When God gave me my HDB, I, I, have, I, I may not be able to empathize with those that have a hard time getting because on my first try, I got it. <laughs> and it's not because I'm lucky or I'm worth, I deserve it. Somehow I get the block right beside my parents' block. Uh, only got three units, that block. And my number is number 31 out of the 25 units in the whole estate. So tell me the odds. If everybody in front of me take, I, we got no house already. But God provided. He revealed himself to me as healer and provider. And that's why I can respond to him in worship. That when we sing songs about God, you are my healer. It's not just empty words of, oh, you will heal me one day, but he has. When I sing about, oh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, it's not just a nice song to sing, but I have experienced his provision. And this is not to say that I'm better than you. No. Here is to say that if he could do it for me, the same God that provided for me can provide for you. The same God that healed my dad can heal you. The same God that gives me peace in the midst of my anxieties can give you peace in your storm. And so, when God reveals Himself to you, don't let it go to waste. Respond. And all of us here, everyone seated here, I know that God has revealed something to you about Him. And if it's been a long time since you worship God, if it's been a long time since you feel like, wow, it's very hard to worship God, maybe you need to walk down memory lane and start to think about, God, I remember that time you did that for me and relive that moment, and then respond in worship. See, our relationship with God works the same way. He loves us, we love Him in return. He calls us, we answer Him. He leads us, we follow. That's what worship is. It's simply a response to what God has already done for you and I. You see, the problem comes sometimes is when God is not greatly praised. It is only because we don't think that He is a great God. When we sing the song, or when He's in the room, you feel the room, or suddenly you can feel, some of us may feel, wow, so powerful, like, wow, I ask anything now, it will happen. But yet, some of us may feel like He's in the room, but it still like, feel like empty space. Why? Why is it sometimes our worship, someone is like crying and bawling their face out, but I'm like, there are times I'll be like, I look at it, wow, he, I also want that. I don't feel anything. And sometimes it's because I don't think he's a great God. 
When our worship is small, it's because our concept of God is small. When, our, when we offer God little bitty sacrifices, it's because we've somehow reduced Him in our hearts to a little bitty God. That we, most, we sometimes give our problem more glory than God. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I give my worries more worship than God. They end up my worship becomes so my sorry, my worry becomes so big until I get depressed. It's because we have somehow reduced him in our hearts. Our vision has become clouded and our hearts distracted. See, affection, your attention will aim your affection. So as a result, we fret, we get depressed, we get worried, we get anxious, we worry and we get bent out of shape. And we then determine, you know what, God you don't work. God, this thing is a joke. What am I doing here? We go down all kinds of dead ends and we try to accomplish everything ourselves. See, that is why our worship is so vital that it is grounded in truth, the truth of who God is. And so in closing, I want to touch real quickly in a few ways that you and I can express this true worship. If we know that, wow, my worship matters, I know that my worship is in spirit, is beyond just these four walls, is everywhere I go, is in truth, the truth of, yes, where I'm at now, I don't have to get it all together to worship God, but it's also the truth of who He is, because even though I may not be all together, He is all together. How then can I express this worship? When I step out of the hall here, you tell me worship is not just on Sunday, right? When I leave the hall today, I can start worshipping. How? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. This is not just a scripture we use for baptism, okay? But it's even in the way we live our lives, even in our worship. Everything you do can be done as worship. I know Pastor shares his, most, uh, his story about army. He always carried the gun, cannot confine, is his worship. And it's so true. When we are at home, when I don't like to clean the floor, my wife asks me, can you clean the floor? My flesh says no, but my worship to God says, okay. I clean the floor, I vacuum, I iron the clothes. I feel good. Why? Because it's my worship to God. See, whatever we do in word and deed, let it be an opportunity for you to lift up worship to Him. When we talk about worshipping God in word, what does it mean? What does it mean that we can, does it just mean that I come here and sing songs? Yes. Why do we sing? Why do we sing songs of worship on Sunday? Or maybe in your toilet when you're singing songs of worship. Why? Because when we lift your voice in worship, when you lift your voice in worship, whether through hymns, whether through maybe more contemporary worship songs, we are singing praises to God. In Psalm chapter 95, verse 1 to 2, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. 
Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. That's why when the worship leader tell you or the MC tell you, lift your voice. You don't just keep quiet. You say, oh no, you say worship is in spirit and truth, but I don't need to say anything in my heart. But the Bible also commands us to lift your voice. Because nobody can see your worship. Eh? God may see it, but the people around you cannot. Yes, I'm not doing it for others, but sometimes they need to see. The only way my son will ever learn what it means to be a worshipper is not I teach him the Bible story. Hey, oh, Micah, you have to worship God in song. No. I will turn on music on the morning and I will dance with him. Uh, the real God, the whole world in his hands. We sing the song. Uh, I gotta be thankful, grateful. I love those songs. Stand firm. I don't know the lyrics. But he loves it. He will dance. And it's precious. It's not just a, 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 a learning his kinetic ability. It's not just about that. Eh. It's not just about, oh, he know how to talk. He know how to sing. He's learning to worship God. And so when you lift your voice to Him, God is honoured. When you lift up your voice in shouts of praise, when you lift up your voice, whether it's in prayer, some of us may be paisay, very shy when we pray, we keep quiet, we keep, you know, we pray in our hearts. But do you know that there is power when you begin to express your prayer, when you begin to express your worship, your praise out loud? When you first received the Holy Ghost, there was no way you could receive the Holy Ghost, just keep quiet. Oh, I speak in tongue. Hmm. My spirit is moving already. You've got to hear. And for some of us here, the struggle may not be a heart of worship. You may say, well, I'm very paisay. But go beyond your comfort zone today. Your worship matters. When I first learned to worship expressly, it was back in Chinatown, I was a secondary school kid, or primary school, I can't remember, like, very young. And I was very shy back then, still shy, like, okay. And I still remember, they were telling me, hey, you must come, you come all the way to the front, the stage there. Whoa, I tell you, I'm so scared, yeah. Because, you know, shy, then I don't know, people look around me, what they will think about me, how I dance, do I look like, like some weirdo dancing, lift my hands. And initially, it was weird. Initially, because I don't do it, right? I'm not the kind that go tell one. So I don't know what it means to worship. I don't also really know how to sing. But when I came down and I saw my brothers and sisters worshipping Pastor Bishop Willoughby, I remember he said that the reason, one of the reasons why he worshipped in the front is for the children to see what worship is like. And so you worship God in word. When you lift your voice, don't be afraid of what the person is thinking beside you. Why? Because that's not what you value. You value what he thinks. And when I dance like that, it may not look very nice, but in his God's eyes, wow, I like it. He put 10 out of 10, I like it. That's all that matters, right? When you begin to go about your day, you worship in word and in your conversations, that's how you can worship God. Let your everyday conversations be filled with words that reflect your faith and your love for God. Don't be ashamed of your faith. 
When people always ask me, hey, where you work? Oh, I always very Pisces. I say, oh, I, I do uh, video business with my friend. I'm very scared to tell I work in church. Pisces. I'm just honest. Okay? I struggle with that because I struggle with what people think about me. But I have to realize, God, I don't need to be ashamed of you. Oh, yeah, I work in church. Then they'll say, oh, what you, where you work? What you do? And could it be that when we are not ashamed of our faith, when we are not ashamed of our worship, we begin to lift up, even in our conversations, we talk about God. We talk about what God has done. We talk about, wow, I've been having a hard time. My family has been through sickness, but God healed my father. That's worship to God. You share the good news of Jesus with others, leading them into worship. Not say you need to lead them and start to sing. Eh. You lead them by, by your your testimony, by your witness, when you tell him, oh, God did this for me on Sunday. When you speak of his transformative work in your life and how he has made a difference, it is worship to him. You are reflecting him. And the people around you will see, oh, I want that. And when the more your glory reflects around the other people around you, it makes a difference in their lives. I love the quote that Bishop Willoughby always says. He says, Worship makes you attractive to God and man. Because you are reflecting His glory. Worship Him in your word. Even in what you write. I mean, nowadays we don't really write. Lah. But could it be also that's a way we express our worship to Him? Whether it's your journals, whether it's your thoughts about the Bible, hey, those things are important. Capture your thoughts and reflection in written form. And even social media, I got to put it out there because sometimes what we post online is worship. Whether you like it or not. Why? Because it shows people what do you value. And if what you write is not reflecting God, then perhaps we need to rethink about what our affection is set on. And I close with this last part in worship indeed. See, as much as we, yes, we lift up our voices, our words and all these things, great. But there's also a part of us, that one, no problem one. You ask me to tell Boo so I can tell until very sweet one. I can sing like Elvin, wow, so good eh. But does that equate worship? No. Because words alone is not enough. But your actions, the way you choose, the way you live your life, every part of your being in spirit and in truth. See, I can tell my wife how much I love her. I tell her, oh, I love you, I love you. I can tell her from the moment she wakes up, in the day I text her, oh, I love you, I love you. And then when she goes to sleep, I tell her, I love you. But then when she asks me, hey, can you help me clean the toilet? I say, oh, bye, I'm going to sleep. Does that truly match my words? It does not. So when we come to God, our words have to reflect our hearts too. In Isaiah 29 verse 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. I say again, everything we do can be an act of worship to God. Every decision that you and I make today 
can be an act of worship to God. Whether it's the way you serve in the church, but more than that, the way you serve at home. You clean up your room, you clean the floor, vacuum the floor, the way you take care of your children, the way I take care of my child, is all an act of worship to God. The way you serve in the community, I thank God for the ICAM ministry. They give out food. It's not just to make themselves feel good because they do charity, but it's an act of worship to God because they know that puts a smile on God's face. When the, when the musicians play their hearts out, it's not for you and me. It's a worship unto Him. When the cameraman is here shooting the thing, you may be thinking, why he do it for what? Ah? How many people watch online? Huh? Live stream only got 10 people. Ah. No, you got the audience of one. God is looking. I say, that is worship. I like that. Everything you do, in every season of your life, whether you're single, whether you're married, you're attached, it doesn't matter. Because how you choose to live those season, seasons of your life can be a worship to God. As a family, in the way we parent our child, it is an act of worship to God. In our attitudes, when I'm wrong by someone, when someone does me wrong, when I'm going through a hard time and I cannot for the life of me figure out, God, what is going on? But in those moments, my attitude, my heart, I can choose, am I going to mope around and curse God and doubt God? I'm going to say, you know what, God, maybe I don't have a testimony now. But God, it's not about me. It's about you. I want to reflect you. Even in my suffering, even in the hard times, I can worship Him. Even in the difficult times, I can lift up my voice. I can lift up my heart. A heart that may be broken because God is not seeking not just for sacrifice, He's seeking for obedience. He says in the word, a broken and a contrite spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, He will not despise. And so if you can stand with me this morning, whatever season of life you are in today, whatever you may be going through today, whether you are new in the faith, whether you have been a long time in the faith, all of us here are called to be worshippers. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 16, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The Bible says, continually offer to God. It means whenever we... Now, it means when we step out of this place, it means when we go to back to our workplaces tomorrow, it is a continual worship to God. Continually means that in every moment, we are constantly looking for ways to glorify Him. Continually gets our worship outside the walls of this hall too. Continually gets our worship outside of our quiet time with God. Continually gets our worship outside our services. It gets our worship outside of our music continually gets worship out into our workplaces. When you are there in the workplace photocopying, it can be your worship to God. Into the hawker centre, into where you like to hang out, into our conversation with our friends, into our families, continually gets worship into our choices, our entertainment choices. What do I choose to watch? 
it gets worshipped into my bank account, God, I'm going to give it all because you reveal, I respond. Continually gets worshipped into our wardrobe, how I look. It gets worshipped into my life choices, the person I'm going to end up forever with in marriage, the job I'm going to take, where I'm going to live. Continually gets worshipped into our hidden thoughts where nobody knows but God Himself. Continually gets worshipped into our dark nights and it gets worshipped into our joys. And so God is saying to us today, the life you live is my life that I have freely given to you. And I want worshippers who will be constantly reflecting my goodness and grace with that life. God wants our life to be a seamless song of worship. It's more than the song that we sing, but the life that we live. God wants our worship to be a way of life. We sang the song at the wake, Endless Hallelujah. And that dawned on me. Is my life an endless hallelujah wherever I go? That when people look at me at the end of the day, what do they see? Do they see me or do they see Jesus? Do they see me or do they see His glory? Do they hear a song about me bragging about how good I am? Or do they hear a life song of endless hallelujah, constantly worshipping God? And if it is your desire today to be a worshipper, and if God is speaking to you today, wherever you may be, all eyes closed and all hands lifted. For some of us today, you might just be new to the idea of worship. And you are realising it's a thing you've been doing your whole life and only now sensing that you need to just redirect the flow of your worship. Or maybe you are a passionate lover of God. You've been in this for many years, but you are frustrated or distracted by the presence of little idols and cares in this life that we've kept around for too long. And for all of us here today, the time for worship is now. But the hour is coming that now, now is the time that the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Orakaya, we will lift your voice. Will you lift up your worship to Him? Worship is simply a response to God. And God has revealed Himself to us this morning. He's revealed to us His presence. He's revealed to us His grace. He's revealing to us His grace and His mercy. His love, His faithfulness. He's not here to shame us. He's not here to beat us down. But He's here to say, I'm here. Whatever you will be carrying today, whether it's condemnation, whether it's shame, whether it's fearfulness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's insecurities, whether you are shy or whatever it is, don't let that hold back your worship. Don't let the enemy steal away your worship today. Don't let the enemy rob your opportunity to respond to the God that is worthy of all our worship, that is worthy of all our affection. So with all hands lifted, let's begin to respond. Let's begin. This is between you and the Lord today. Father, today, God, Lord, we open up our hearts to you. Oh, Rakaya, Lord, you're seeking for worshippers, God. 
And God, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Lord, I may not be where I need to be, God. But when you show me your glory, God, Lord, I am undone. And God, I come before you just as I am today, God. No, I don't want to hide anymore, God. I don't want to cover up myself, Lord, with good works, God. I don't want to cover my, up myself, oh God. But God, I come and bear myself before you today, God. Just as I am, God, in the truth of who I am, God. And God, I want, I want to repent, God, today, God. That I've given my affection to the things of this world, God. That I have given my worth and my worship and my value, God, to the things of this world, God, to material things, God, to things that cannot take your place, God, to a relationship, God, to my dreams, to my wants, to my desires, God. And Father, today, God, I pray, God, Lord, forgive me, God. But today, I want to turn myself, God. I want to turn my affection, God. I want to redirect my worship, God. I want to redirect, God, my heart to you today, God. Continue to worship Him. Continue to worship Him in this place. God is asking us today, will you worship, will your worship be spent on what matters most? And Father, today I pray, God, as we take a few moments, God, to allow your word to search us, God. As your spirit searches us, God, search my heart, God. Try my thoughts today, God. Show me your glory, God. Father, I pray today, God, even in my darkest valleys, God, even in my greatest struggles, God, Lord, you are there with me, God. That you are greater, God, than every pain, God. You are greater, God, than every struggle, God. You are greater than how I feel today, God. You are greater, God, than the doctor's report, God. You are greater, God, than this mountain that is before me, oh God. And Father, if I need to climb this mountain, God, I will do it in worship, God. I will go yonder and worship, God. Lord, if there's a sacrifice that I need to lay at the altar, if there's an Isaac I need to lay at the altar today, God, let it be my worship to you, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you feel led by the Spirit of God, you may go ahead and minister to one another right now. Yes, God. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Father, I pray, Jesus, today, God, Lord, as we embark on this journey, God, of being worshippers, God, as we embark, oh God, on this call, God, of being a true worshipper, God, Lord, Lord, I know, God, that I'm not alone in this, God. But Father, we are a body of worshippers, God, a body of believers, God. And Father, I pray today, God, whatever may be holding us back, God, whatever, God, may be stopping us in our tracks today, God. Lord, we want to bear it before you, God. We want to lay it before you right now, God. In the name of Jesus. 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 And Father, I pray today, God, as we leave this place, God, help me remember, God, that whatever I do, God, that whatever I do, God, can be an act of worship to you, God. In my words, in my actions, in my attitudes, God, in my choices, God. Lord, I pray, let this idea, God, let this identity of who I am, God, as a worshipper, God, begin, oh God, to ingrain into my very being, God, that everything that I do, Lord, that I will consider is this glorifying to you, God. In the name of Jesus, God. Touch my brothers and sisters today, God. Let, let their lives, let our lives, let everyone's lives today, God, be a reflection of your glory, God. That as we leave this place, God, that your doors will begin to open, God. That people will start coming to us. That people will start asking about the hope of our faith, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't we lift up a clap of praise one more time to God. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you for your response, your beautiful response to God. I know there are some that are still praying. And for those who are not, you are dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.